0: I just recently got back from ElixirConf EU in Lisbon, Portugal. I actually wrote a blog post about it, uh, published it today as well. But that was really good. I I really enjoy conferences. And this one had been a long time coming. I've been part of the Elixir community and ecosystem since about 2019. So I started writing about it. 2019 in may in april 2019 i went to elixirconf eu in prague and then shortly after the pandemic hit so i didn't end up going to there wasn't an elixirconf for a bit and then there was one in london but then i was busy having a child he was literally born during (laughs) elixirconf if i recall or very 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 near to it so instead like I've been doing blog posts and I've been doing videos and I've been doing all this Elixir stuff, writing code and sharing and talking about it. And none of it has... Like I. we went to a code beam. You were there. It's not quite the same. It is Erlang. There's a lot of Erlang. There's a lot of like academia. There's some academia. There's a lot of assorted stuff. It's kind of not as focused, I would say, as as like the Elixir community is. And going to ElixirConf was super interesting. It's the first time people have come up to me and said like, oh, I watched your stuff and actually told me about what what they like about my the things I do and kind of telling me I'm doing a good job, that kind of thing. Like I, I get some feedback online, but this was a, an entirely different thing and very, very kind of gratifying, very weird like, I don't know what to say when someone says that they, that they pick up my videos whenever they get really frustrated with programming. It's like, what? what? That, that's super nice. That's, oh, shucks. So that was a big part of this conference for me. I also tried to do some recording. That went, eh, we'll see if that turns into anything. I brought my whole team, which was super fun. I have a lovely team, and it was super nice to have them meet the community. We had new shirts made. We had stickers. It was a f- just a ton of fun. And I got to meet so many people that I kind of already knew or that I had spoken to online that finally like had a face and a voice. And then just a ton of people whose work I've interacted with and who I ended up talking to now. And I also gave my first conference talk. So it was an absolutely wild ride. I also brought my whole family. So that was mostly a vacation uh, around the conference. When there wasn't a conference, so AlexaConf EU 2023, a uh, strong recommendation.
1: That sounds absolutely amazing! Wow! So, due to a a series of unfortunate circumstances, I wasn't there, uh, and I really wish I was.
0: Yeah, I think at the point where I started beating you over the head with the fact that you could go even if even if your employer doesn't pay you, at that point it was sold out. Yep. Oops. <laughs> oops no it was really really a wild experience and there was a lot to it it's just like I I really like that whichever talk I went to was kind of relevant to me and that's not something I quite get at like a code beam for example it's not the code like not the code beams are bad I really like them and I will go to them but ElixirConf is incredibly sort of tightly tuned to what I care about
1: yeah, you're not you're not doing very many hours in Erlang, I suppose.
0: No. I'm doing hours on top of Erlang, but but there's also like the Erlang ecosystem has less clarity to it. It has over the years like kind of fragmented into like everyone has built a lot of their own tools or there's a bunch of different ways to do things. And that's not necessarily bad, but I really like about the elixir ecosystem that when someone like kind of invents something new or adds something it's usually something that plugs just right into phoenix and like or even if it's like agnostic to web it's just like oh it's gen servers and stuff and we can usually use what what's produced in erlang land but sometimes people build things in erlang that are kind of too big to bring into something but they're rather like a big honking machine and kind of that stuff, not so sure about, but it's like, yeah, uh, overall I would just say like Erlang talks at Erlang conferences or like general beam conferences have a different distribution. Like uh, they have a different spread and that's, that's correct. Like it, that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be focused on Elixir. It should not be constrained to only the Erlang I would enjoy because there's a wide audience for Erlang and it's very diverse in a in some ways but it also means that like I don't necessarily benefit from every talk that is available at an Erlang conference while almost every talk at an Elixir conf is about building shit with Elixir which is what I do and what I like to do and when someone builds out ML for Elixir, it's like, yeah, so now I can use it in my web application. And when someone builds out media streaming and mem- like the membrane framework, I'm like, yeah, I can use this in my web application. <laughs> so that's something I really like. There's, there's a high degree of relevance. It's like, oh, someone's talking about ectomigrations. I do
1: ectomigrations. This is an interesting point actually, because at work we're having such a weird stack that if if you're doing mainstream elixir, so to speak, with yeah. the Phoenix and all that kind of good stuff, most of it isn't relevant to us. <laughs> that's that's kind of sad. Mm.
0: Yeah, you kind of predate Phoenix with that yeah project.
1: Yeah, and and there's this is a bit of this is a secret really, but there are maybe half a dozen of repos in the organization profile on GitHub. Uh, which are named like Rewrite Everything in Elixir. No, Rewrite Everything in Phoenix, sorry. Half a dozen of them. And I think the newest one is three years old, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and and <laughs> every time we, we find one of them, we cry a bit and then we archive it. Because it's it's one of those... When at a startup, when are you supposed to just sit down and rewrite everything in a more reasonable way? Because there hasn't been time nor resources up until now to do that because trying to find product market fit, trying to earn those money that make everything sustainable. Uh, So, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think we're slowly moving towards it. Hopefully soon we have removed the old Cursed database. Give us a few months. So speaking of old and Cursed, no, I won't do a good segue here. How was it giving a talk? How was it? Was it fun? Was it scary? Was it all of the above?
0: It was kind of scary before. Like I had the mild discomfort whenever I thought about it uh, during the day leading up to the talk, which was the first day of the conference. But I also felt like, I think I felt pretty comfortable with that discomfort. I knew I had signed up for it. I knew how to, I had prepared. I knew I had prepared pretty well. I double-checked that I had all the stuff I needed to bring with me. So I felt like as ready as I could. Like there were things I could have prepped slightly better. There were parts of the talk I knew I didn't have sort of down as well as I maybe had, like the end, I did not have as down as well as I had the beginning. Because the way of, I did the talk, I wanted it mostly memorized. Then it turned out that I would, would <laughs> was actually standing right in front of my computer the whole time. So I could have essentially just read from a from a piece of text, but that would have been a worse presentation. But yeah, so I had rehearsed a lot to have the type of presentation I wanted to make deeply ingrained in my spine. So I I had rehearsed until I was bored of what I was saying. Uh, And the boredom goes away when you're standing in front of a room full of people. Now, my room was a sixth full, probably, because at the same time, while I was giving my talk, someone else was talking about the research to add types to Elixir in the other room that's unfortunate
1: <laughs> that's
0: like that's the most important and most contentious talk of the entire conference
1: yeah w- why wasn't it a keynote
0: yeah so i think maybe that was kindness to the research student
1: oh it was a research student i thought it was jose or yeah
0: so jose was is his one of his um, thesis advisors And the other one is like a type theory uh, expert. Yeah. So, And Guillaume, uh, super nice guy, talked to him at the speaker dinner before. That's also a cool thing. You should totally speak at conferences because then you get to go to a speaker dinner. I have never been in a room where I had more of a like, oh, hey, who are you? Oh, you're that nickname. You have a face in everything.
1: (laughs) So good. (laughs)
0: Uh, And oh, I apparently have like an almost entirely circular Venn diagram of interest overlap with these people. That's neat. Wow. It was just in my blog post, I think I called it like talking to fish in a barrel. (laughs) Like Anywhere you went, there was conversation to be had because everyone was doing pretty much the same thing. Everyone knew the same community, everyone knew the same space, everyone cared about similar things. It was a very nice experience in that regard. Cool. Yeah, so I gave a talk at the same time as Guillaume. I hear Guillaume's talk went pretty well. I haven't looked at it yet, but my talk also went pretty well. But out of the like 600 attendees, like the biggest lexiconf ever, I probably got 100. Probably. Maybe 200, but I doubt it. Uh, but it was fine. It was plenty. And I had my cheerleading squad of my team and uh, Marcel, which is a buddy from the internets. And uh, yeah, like people laughed at the right places. People got the jokes, got the feeling of the talk. I think they, like the machine learning model that I used to <clears throat> to run the talk, essentially. So my entire talk was a demo it was a presentation which was a continuous demo of the things i was talking about like i talked about creativity and how to put together cool shit essentially in software so like inputs and transforming inputs and producing interesting outputs as i was talking i had this live transcription going and i used, also used the live transcription which was the openai model whisper i also used that to control my slides And sometimes it screws up because I was using a fairly small version of the model to make it run fast on CPU on my laptop. Yeah. And sometimes it screwed up and sometimes I repeated myself. And at one time it said something akin to, um, it, it could be interpreted as a like threat to murder me or possibly take itself offline, let's say, which led to good laughs from the audience. So like, and that was always the intent, like failures of the model to understand what I'm saying and failures to, to do what I intend is sort of part of the design of the talk. It's not intended to be perfect. It's not a demo of a product. It is an experiment. It's an interesting, fun thing. And uh, a little bit of humility is, is good for that talk. So I think it it landed. I got some feedback afterwards that was really nice from people that, that enjoyed it, people that felt that it was inspiring, that kind of thing, and that like that was kind of the point, but you don't want to say, oh, the point of my talk is to inspire people. That sounds really weird. But my hope was that perhaps people would find it inspiring and motivating. And apparently some people did. So, success. Sweet. Yeah. That sounds really good. And most of the nerves went away. Like, I did get the whole dry mouth and afterwards kind of adrenaline going away. I'm not very practiced as a public speaker. I don't have I haven't done public speaking in uh, physical, in the flesh of a particular amount at all. So this is technically not my first one. I did one 200 years ago in about Drupal. Wow. I barely count that one. So this was my first real one, my first very prepared one, my first, the first one I bothered to count. And I think it went well, and I definitely wouldn't mind doing it again. Uh, so I'm hoping to submit something for ElixirCoff US. I'm going to drag you to Codebeam Stockholm, but I'm going to be off the clock when we're there. It's my kind of my plan.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Have you given a talk?
1: I have not given a talk. I've been, since I've been, I was on the board for Sverok uh, twice, and uh, then I spoke to Riksmötet, A couple of times, and I was at uh, Riksmötet, which is the annual meeting for Sverok. Sverok is a uh,
0: tabletop gaming org, kind of.
1: Yeah, a gaming organization, or was. I don't know really what they do now, but I think they do something like that still. And uh, uh, I was had quite a bit of of, uh, (laughs) interest and enthusiasm about it. So I spoke a bit on the annual meetings and so on, and it's but that was not prepared. I yeah. think I wrote three or five words on a a uh, uh, post-it note and went and stood in front of the one hundred and fifty people.
0: Yeah, I've seen you present the nominees for something or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so still got my heart pounding though. It's strangely scary. <laughs> I've done some some music performances too uh, when I was uh, in my teens. Okay. Because we play, I took all elective music courses on the gymnasium. So I played quite a bit in front of people, which was amazing actually. So no technical talks, but it feels like one of those things that, I don't know if it's one of those things that I should do or I want to do. Maybe both.
0: I think it's something worth trying because it can be really fun. Like One of my team members has said that she would definitely want to try to do a lightning talk because she doesn't know if she likes public speaking in a lightning talk. feels like a kind of low stakes way to do that. I never went for a lightning talk because I kind of, if I want to try it, I want to try the big thing. So that was kind of my my approach, but I that's kind of who I am as a person and Combined with the fact that I kind of felt some level of expectation, not necessarily from others, but of myself. Oh, I'm, I blog, I podcast. Of course, I, I do public speaking when I, when I get the opportunity. And I could absolutely see people that will not do it, do like public speaking, but will happily do a podcast because they are very different things. Yep. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I'm happy to do it again. The, The rehearsing is a pain for me. Uh, It's just like you need to fit the time. And there are ways you can do a talk where it's like more. So I know Peter Hitchens has written about this, like how to do talks his way, essentially, where it's mostly like he comes in with a topic, but then he starts talking to the audience and asking questions of them and having them tell him things or ask things. And then he spins a sort of conversation out of that. And I could see how that would kind of take a lot of the stress out, and definitely a lot of the preparation out. For me, I don't have a problem finding topics to talk about when I am like extemporaneously, ha- like having these improvised conversations. I found myself at a like tech network meetup be thing uh, yesterday uh, locally here, and someone asked me about, like, okay, but what's the deal with Elixir? Why do developers care about that? Uh, and, like, why do they care about tools at all? That's kind of weird. <laughs> he was not a developer. So I launched into my thoughts on this, and we ended up talking for a bunch, and apparently I I definitely sort of found some kindling in whatever he was carrying around. Like, we we got a really good conversation, and he got some really... Strong feelings that oh, like this whole elixir thing there's something to it like there's there's something interesting here, this is something we should poke around with, and that was improvised like i I didn't have if you talk about something often enough, you build up kind of talking points and then you start stitching them together in new in and interesting ways whenever you <laughs> or at least I do, so I start taking the things I've talked about in the past and heard and then I just remix it, and suddenly there's a new, a new spiel heading out my mouth. But when I'm preparing something, I'm preparing a very specific thing I'm trying to present. Then I want a plan, then I want a script, or at least that's how I've been doing it. And then I need to rehearse it, because having a script and not knowing it by heart is death and pain, and stumbling and stuttering, having no script but having like bullets means it's gonna be kind of ad hoc (laughs) and i don't think it's necessarily good enough for what i want to give to a conference does that make sense
1: that makes sense and it's also i think by having a script and working through it so many times you get a very polished experience Uh, So I wonder how did that work with uh, doing a live demo? Because I have, (laughs) okay, we'll see if if, uh, you can hold this against me, but I never want to do a live demo uh, in a talk because something will fail in a hilarious way. And then, yeah nothing works as in
0: if you gave a talk you wouldn't want a live demo or do you want speakers to not give live demos
1: oh i i love when others do it okay because then i can i can it's like uh going on a roller coaster or watching a horror movie uh it's that anticipation of complete tech failure uh so i i always get this um there's a demo of windows 95 i think yeah, uh, and they're plugging in a printer while talking, and suddenly everything just blue screens. Yeah. And it's amazing, but I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> why why are you that guy? <laughs> why did you? <laughs> how did it turn out to be a demo rather than prepared slides?
0: So the slides was the demo, was the talk, because of who I am as a person, I can't stop trying to trying to do something that sticks out. So just doing, kind of just explaining the thing I'd put together and showing that it worked and saying, you can try this too. That didn't feel like what I wanted to do. So I built up what I thought was a cool demo. Then I integrated my slides into it so that all there was would be the demo. And then I built... So I had this idea about talking about how I explore and build applications as a way to learn. And I wanted that to be the talk. So I I ran this prototype at Elixir Community Krakow first, like at a remote meetup. And then it was like, yeah, the demo... Worked well. People liked it. The slides behaved themselves. All of that stuff worked. Um, I didn't... uh, At that point, I think I still had to say slide forward to make it move forward. So that's something I came up with after that. Like, oh, no, actually, I could integrate the triggers for skipping to the next slide into what I'm saying. I just have to remember what I'm supposed to say (laughs) to skip forward. So I did that, and I... I also really, really worked through the contents of what I was saying to punch it up so that there was a little bit more TED talk to it because I wanted it to be a whole, not, uh, like I, I don't actually explain any of the tech or I explain what I'm using, not how I don't show the code. I don't dig into any of the execution, all the code is available on GitHub, like you can dig into it, you can use it, it's free, free free and available. But I didn't want to spend my time like, oh, this is how membrane works, and this is how I connect it to LiveView. But rather say, whatever you want to work with, whatever inputs you know that you can access from Elixir. Grab those, make some kind of gen server thing, get your inputs, broadcast them over Phoenix PubSub. That will be your loose coupling to anything. Like you broadcast it to whomever it may concern. And you will, if you've seen my talk, you will recognize the way I'm wording things here. And then as like, oh, grab it, transform it to something else. Broadcast again. And then, okay, grab it from wherever you want to output it and make a cool output out of it. And then I went into things like, oh, why is Live View so cool for this? Why is Membrane so cool for this? Uh, where does machine learning kind of come in with a with a odd curveball? And I talked through those things to give like this overview, because I don't think I can transmit the excitement of building things or why it's worth it doing if I spend all my time saying and then pipe. Uh, less than uh, like we build this pipe into this function, and this is how we manage the state. But I mostly mentioned like, oh yeah, and you don't really need a database if you had Gen servers, unless you're yeah, unless you actually need a database. So for most of these experiments, I don't build a database, or I keep it very simple. Like I mostly wanted to encourage people to try things, and in some ways, that's advice to mostly the junior crowd, but. No, actually it's advice to the to the whole crowd. I talk to a lot of developers that are like, I want to get into Elixir. How do I do that? And it's like, okay, you have tons of experience in other languages. You should just be building things with Elixir until it feels comfortable. That's that's how you get into it. Or find a company that's willing to onboard you. But but like if you want to get into it, just get in there, do the thing. And for more like junior developers, it's like, how do I get a job? How like if I learn Elixir? How do how do I show a company that I'm worth worth working with? And then it's like gotta build things. That's that's the first thing I think most companies look for. It's not like what do you hypothetically know? Because no one trusts education. No one trusts like the idea that everyone who has gone through your training knows their stuff. No, probably not. Uh, it's gonna vary; it's very individual. But if you can show that you've built some neat stuff, then like people trust in neat stuff, I think. And it's also a great way to learn, like internalize how to use these tools. So that was what the talk was about. It's like gotta build things. Uh, it's how we learn. It's how we explore. It was also I included a defense of uh, of chasing shiny things, which I thought was kind of fun.
1: Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Also, side note: yeah, uh, th- there's a talk by a woman I've forgotten her name, who demonstrates how to program in Perl by using uh, speech to text. Okay, it's amazing. Uh, so I'll I'll uh, uh, try to find it and yeah. yeah,
0: pass it to me. That sounds good.
1: I think you need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
0: So I made a live demo because I like I don't know how not to.
1: That's a very good reason.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much like if I just talked about the thing, I would find myself boring. Uh It's not that all <laughs> talks that just talk about the thing are boring because that's not the case. A good talk can be good for many reasons. But the thing I enjoy doing is building things. So showing something I built is, well, that's my, been my bread and butter for years. And in that regard, yeah, it's kind just kind of what I wanted to I built the cool thing first, and then I built a talk around it, kind of. Or I had an idea about what a good talk could be. There were a few different things. There were some things I never explored fully and, and didn't get into. Uh, so I have, I guess I have some spare ideas for talks I could do. But yeah, the the tech demo, like, oh, I want to show cool stuff you can do with Membrane and Whisper was probably the first first part of it. And I already had done view plus Membrane in the past to know that, that that was a weirdly compelling demo, like showing waveforms live, for example. Or show, showing audio levels live was what I had done. And like waveforms are just historic, the history of level. Yeah, so I don't think I ever considered making it a talk without a demo. Hmm. Now, the demo was very unlikely to fail because I had run it so many times. Like I ran it every time I rehearsed the talk because it is very much part of the talk. And part of rehearsing the talk that way was also like realizing, I keep forgetting this part. I should add a bullet to the slide that reminds me.
1: That's a good one.
0: Things like that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'd run through the demo good deal in times at that point, and also sat there developing the demo. So I had had it running for hours at different times, and had had very little problems with it. So I felt I felt pretty calm about it working. It also didn't do like it required a network connection, but it doesn't actually do any networking. Okay. So it makes one call to Hugging Face to. Yep probably get the version of a model or something. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, I have that in cash. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to tether okay. my phone <laughs> to be able to oh. start the app, but otherwise it was fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, modern trucks. They have 600 horsepowers, and they only use them to gain speed when they are at march speed. Uh, they use maybe 100 horsepower to maintain the speed. So it's that's a weird car analogy. I don't know why I fall down into them all the time, but I do. You like
0: analogies.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think car analogies are a wound from the old uh, great pirate copying debates.
0: You wouldn't download a car.
1: Oh yes I would. <laughs> we generally copied pirates uh because we thought they were too few of them.
0: <laughs> I think you lost me there.
1: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>